0: Welcome to Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. This next episode was recorded live during the GTDC's annual EMEA Vendor Summit, which was held in Amsterdam on June 16th. You will hear from our panelists, Eric Nowak, president of EMEA for Aero ECS, Patrick Zanit, president of EMEA and APAC for TD Cinex, and Eric Buck, who is the director of worldwide distribution sales for Google. They will talk about the evolving relationship between distributors and hyperscalers. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and thanks for listening. I want to introduce the three folks. We have uh, three distinguished gentlemen. First, uh, Eric Buck, who runs global distribution and commercial partner sales for Google. Eric, thank you. Thank you. Um, Eric Nowak, president of uh, AMIA for Arrow ECS. And then, uh, of course, Patrick Zumont, who I think a lot of people know here. President of EU and APAC for TD Cynics. So thank you for, for the three of you to be on the panel. Sir, so let me start with you. So Eric's got, for those of you that don't know, he's got a, a vast amount of experience in the channel, in the industry, worked for a distributor, uh, worked, has worked for vendors obviously, has worked for solution providers, so he knows the space. So now he's at Google. And frankly that's a good thing because we really needed and wanted to ensure that folks that joined companies like Google and AWS etc had experience in uh, the general channel and could sort of bring that to bear so you understand where he's coming from and his perspective but you know my first question for you is obviously the growth of you know global infrastructure services etc has been phenomenal yeah. um, and the projections are it will continue to be
1: phenomenal what's driving that? Well, yeah. I mean, we're seeing technology move so fast. Um, One of the big drivers that we've seen through the channel is app modernization. It's um, pulling through so much desire for the line of business to fix problems. You know, we've pivoted from that back office, you know, stack that's purely one vendor to a front office problem solving, and that's why you see now also more ISVs entering the marketplace that are single solution ISVs. They're not coming with a full portfolio because they're solving one problem in a particular vertical or even department within companies. And so, I think that dynamic, that that business problem solving speeding up, is creating this pull through and then as that pull happens, naturally the companies start to look at it and think, you know, why am I maintaining two different environments? Why am I not just going all in and moving everything over because it improves my cost? It makes sure that everything's accessible to all the folks on my team, no matter where they are, when they are. So uh, we, that's what we're seeing at Google. We see it as the uh, transformative cloud. We're seeing, you know, four different layers to that, where there's collaboration happening in the field, and people want to be able to collaborate no matter where they're at. Um, we're seeing, the, obviously, the data. Of course, we use we use data and analytics to drive our own business. Um, so certainly, that helps us to understand the experience that customers are going to have, uh, but also security. Security has become a major topic with the data being so diverse and going everywhere, and going into the cloud, certainly now everybody wants to make sure that it's secure. And lastly, we see it as the open cloud, which is really about being able to bring the best of breed together, and use that for your customer solutions.
0: So when you look at, obviously you're instrumental in developing the go-to-market strategy, so when you look at developing your go-to-market strategy, um, why does it make sense for channel in general, and DISTY in particular, part of that.
1: Yeah, this is this is a good one. And by the way, this is an evolving conversation. I think all of us have a certain level of responsibility to be as clear as we can with how we fit into this business. But um you know what I see there is people ask me like, Oh, isn't distribution and partners about like going in and installing hardware and managing that relationship? You say, Well, yeah, sure, that was a value and that still is. There's certainly Environments aren't all virtual. There's certainly a a mixture there, but the true value I see through distributors and for partners is really a couple-fold. So I hit on the ISV piece and the dynamics that ISV market. How do you find the best solutions? Somebody has to aggregate all those solutions together. They have to help you understand what they are. Have to create enabling around those solutions. Those those people that are developing the solutions, they don't even understand how to engage a channel. Their ability to connect with you and present to your customers what that solution looks like and how it can perform for you, and it's no longer about, hey, I've got vendor A, and they've got this entire line card, and they're going to develop it over this year, and then evolve it in three or four years. It's literally solutions that are being developed 24-7 because they're virtual, they're software, they're, they're cloud-based, and so having somebody that's got a single solution as the vendor is very challenging to manage, and I think that's where our distributors are all going to be pressed, is it's no longer this... Line card, which was already complicated enough, it's now maybe a product for somebody, and that somebody may not also understand how to get to the partners. And so I think that's a big piece of it. And then the other piece we're seeing is a, a significant gap in, in services. Uh, you know, uh, cloud migration uh, is on the rise. It's going to continue. We see this market growing exponentially over the next five years, and we already see a shortage of people out there. And I think. You know where distributors can really help there is probably three places. One first off is helping partners get prepared to do that. There's a lot of money to be made in services. You know, for our for our cloud every dollar in revenue we generate, we're generating $5 more in services and associated revenues. Um, the second one is augmenting. Offering the services on behalf of if a partner either doesn't want to do that or isn't ready to do that or maybe their bench is full of, of business and they need to bring somebody in to help. Um, And then the third one is is just naturally that enablement piece, right? But 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 also they enable by connecting partners in their communities that have these capabilities as well. So if my company doesn't have cloud migration, they can bring me into a partner that does have cloud migration. I think the average number of partners on larger customers today is seven. You know, back in the day we used to say, "Hey, I got to do everything for my customer, or else I'm at risk." And now it's, "I need to specialize. I can't do everything." So bringing in partners is important. You can't just bring in anybody. And I think the distributors create great communities that can help all of us access those partners.
0: Yeah. So, Patrick, from your standpoint, obviously TD Cynics has significant relations, relationships in place with the hyperscalers. Um, can you talk about the service and support that you're providing to your customers and uh, the value prop that they derive from these relationships?
2: And before going there, I just wanted to say it's interesting when you look at um, the history of distribution, we started with supply chain management, Mm -hmm. then we started bringing to market the software Mm -hmm. in the licensing mode, and then now we have to convert to a cloud model. And so every time we have to invent or reinvent our value prop. So when you look at cloud, I mean, uh, it was quite a revolution for us. I will never forget, by the way, when, uh, so I'm only six years in, in, in the industry, but. I remember my first meetings with some execs of vendors telling me we don't see the future of distribution in this new space so clearly uh, the challenge was there so we have today um, uh, all three top hyperscalers um, and um, so what, what are the type of service we are now providing to the partner so first thing is I mean we needed to help clearly the partners to build their practice the cloud practice because for them was a revolution for us. Was a revolution for them. Uh, a lot of resistance, by the way, at the beginning, because um, they thought that that was a way for vendors uh, <coughs> to be it over time. So we had to clearly sell the value and enable them so that they could be could win at the end users. Second service we provided is to develop the cloud platforms. I mean, today, I mean, you cannot uh, win in that space if you don't have a cloud platform. That's huge investments we all made in the industry uh, to i mean enable the provisioning and the, the invoice management and the consumption management but again that's a very important thing Then you have the technical training but then also when you look at um, how we help the partners win in the market so think about it we focus primarily on the smb because the large customers are taken uh, directly by the hyperscalers so it starts with the pre-sale i mean we have for example 25 Solution architects, 500 certifications, so that we can help, uh, I would say, the the smaller or medium sized resellers um, go to the end user, look at uh, the challenge, and help them come up with the solution. We also then help in the migration, and we also provide the support, okay, and uh, several levels of support, again, all coordinated with the hyperscalers, but nevertheless, that's a very important
0: part of the value we provide. Yeah, and it's really interesting, and earlier today when I was talking about the evolution of the channel, what a lot of people don't understand is the level of detail that goes into supporting these type of transactions and and these type of activities. And in fact, you know, to your point, there's a lot of people who felt like, with the emergence of the hyperscalers, that distribution, once again, would be disintermediated. And in fact, that isn't happening, and it really isn't happening because there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and somebody has to do the work. Right? However, you also mentioned uh, go-to-market from the standpoint of, you know, for example, the perhaps the large enterprise customers being sold to direct, and you know, the distribution and the partners supporting SMB. And for Eric Nowak, uh my question to you is, you know, with any go-to-market model that includes you know, some element of direct and indirect, Um, there's always potential for conflict, right? There's always potential for, you know, uh, some, some issues to evolve, some concerns. So, you know, as the partnership evolves between hyperscalers and the channel, what do you think is important to ensure that we can, you know, avoid as much of that as possible? First, there is nothing <coughs> new
3: here. Um, basically, most of our existing vendors, legacy vendors, also come from the direct world or they have a direct approach or they have a proposed <coughs> model and so on. So, once again, we, we, we say now it's years and decades that we deal with that and there is nothing wrong. The, the, the only thing that matters for us as distributors is it, always the same, predictability and clarity and say where we can play, and where the, uh, the vendor the hyperscalers will go direct, or one tier, or with a different route to market, and, and what they are expecting from us, and what they are expecting that we play. And once again, with clear rules of engagement, meaning, let's say, how it works. And then, productivity, and, and as a distributor, productivity means margin. So basically, with the fair margins for the channel and the distributors, and making sure that basically, Everything is organized the proper way. Uh, (coughs) Not yet the case with the hyperscaler, but it's just a question of maturity of the model and and, and the way we work
0: together. But You know, your point about nothing's changed, I smiled at it because I completely agree. Having watched, you know, intimately the hardware, you know, transition, it's exactly what we're seeing. And you also mentioned it's an evolution. And so it's not there yet. Uh, frankly, but it's, it'll get there, right? It'll get there over time. Um, for Eric Barkley, uh, as the role of the MSP, you know, continues to evolve, uh, what do you think needs to be done from, you know, a, a vendor standpoint, from, you know, your standpoint, to ensure that the education, training, and necessary support are in place to ensure, you know, good customer experience?
1: Yeah, I I think the MSP is also one of those designations that can be a catch-all if we're not careful. Um, You know, certainly there are folks at one end of the spectrum. You know, maybe in the GSI world, Mm -hmm. consulting world, they're providing truly only a managed service, and they maybe not even have a resale. And I think that um, as vendors, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure we're delineating between those skill sets and ensuring. That there's integrity in how we recognize them through certification processes and customer experience feedback to make sure that uh, everything's happening the way we expect it to. And and I think that also depends on the type of customer we're serving. So, you know, if we're we're one on the spectrum working with Deloitte, let's say, then certainly the bar for the types of clients that are working with top 50 enterprise needs to be somewhat different. And perhaps an SMB MSP who is doing all local business and, and, and trying to provide a managed service for them and we need to think about how we enable those audiences differently but also hold them to a standard that is relevant for what they're accomplishing and one of the things we do is we look at uh, our partners in those lanes so we'll meet you if it's a cell model we'll meet you that way if it's a service model we'll meet you that way so we can provide those avenues for them and then We also have to provide the right amount of funding to those customers for these migrations because again recognizing that it's a it's a different world than than putting in a stack into an office and and moving on it's it's about this ongoing adoption and migration and watching to make sure the milestones are happening the the experience is happening the way you expected it would so there's a there's a much heavier lift uh working closely with the end user so we find that having capable partners that are able to do that, but then also making our own investments into that experience and also monitoring that experience from our own knowledge and what we see happening globally to ensure that it's meeting certain metrics.
0: Yeah. So Patrick, obviously, you know, you've been working with, you know, the vendor community for a long time and, and all different types. It's kind of the same question from your standpoint. What would you like to see? What do you want to ensure that you know the hyperscalers, who frankly are new to this space, um, which is why we're glad to have people with experience in the jobs. But well, what would you like to see going forward to make sure that they stay focused on? Uh, you know, to ensure that you know the the their your, the solution providers and the folks in the marketplace uh, get
2: the support needed. So, so what is interesting also with this evolution to the cloud is that um, it's a move to a multi-cloud environment and it's a move to a hybrid cloud because i mean the historical data center specialists are all trying to copy a little bit or enable the same advantages as what the hyperscalers are offering on premise and so here i mean we know that the workloads going forward are going to be on-premise off-premise and uh, on many clouds but probably those workloads will move over time uh, based on certain circumstances and so clearly if we want to continue to bring value here we need to support that and we as a distributor I mean we have again this big advantage that we can I mean we have this large line card and we can orchestrate in fact uh, providing the right solution um, to the end users via the resellers at the right time and so basically what we need is to continue to partner with the hyperscalers, of course, to support that, but again internally develop more and more capabilities to support, uh, even from a technical standpoint, uh, the resellers and, and and eventually the end users. Similar,
3: same question. What's your what's your thought? Well, first I concur with what Eric and uh, least said. Um, the thing is that not only the distributors, but this industry is missing a lot of competencies of the memory resources. Um, there is a big gap, and probably one of the main constraints or limits of this journey to the cloud is the fact that basically we are missing implementation capabilities, and, 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 and so we need to first uh, find, recruit, um, train, uh, resources by the way probably there is a role to play here for the gtdc with the universities and, and, and the country and so on making sure that basically there is because, because at the moment it's, it's even tough to, to recruit someone at the end of the, the their university courses so uh, so first of all making sure that let's say uh, we have the number of resources, and then that we can train these guys so we're making a lot of efforts in terms of training certifications for the partners Community. So, making sure that they say we, we ramp up the competencies, um, that's not enough, we need to probably share the best practice, so, let's say we, but the other distributors put in place, kind of center of excellence, centers of expertise, where we can transfer the expertise to the partners and the community. Once again, because it's hybrid, because we are multi-cloud, it's even more complicated than only one one supplier or one color, The partners need to have the ability to do this. So, the transfer of competencies, the center of experience, sharing the best practice. Uh, Eric said before, we need to put in place complementary services, so that the partners can focus on what they have to do. And they can pick up, they are there, let's say, the complementary managed services that they need. To so build an ecosystem to make sure that they say we will to help the business, but I don't believe that the story of the of IT such a move. We had such a move with such a big amplitude and perimeter, and so once again, finding the right resources and building
0: the right resources is is just the main issue at the moment. Yeah. So earlier during my talk, I, I mentioned that. You know, in the 40 years of experience I've had at the vendor level, I spent a lot of time internally um, talking about the value of the channel. In some cases, trying to convince people I work for on the value of the channel. Eric, what are you experiencing at
1: Google relative to that? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's. I mean, it's. So having you know come from that side of the fence and having worked with vendors in my career, it's always a challenge to have the discussion and. You know, often I try to describe it at other companies that, you know, like a field rep is in that end user, but they're in that end user because the partner has a relationship in that end user that they maintain, while well, we're not there, and, and that, maintain, that maintaining that relationship is really critical to our credibility and ability to get a shot at it. Well, at Google, we've got a lot of folks who didn't even come from the channel, right. so that nuance is even lost on them as far as, and, and Google, while we may be a, considered a challenger in the cloud, it, it's even weird saying that. The fact is, is our brand is well-known, and the technology we're driving, the results we're having at the top end are going exceedingly well, and our company has been primarily focused on, you know, call it Fortune 100 uh, business. We've, We've won some amazing things there. But what I try to then explain back is that all that work that's happening at the top that's custom and bespoke, as cloud settles, it's a repeatable business. At, at its core, everything that's happening has happened before. But the technology has as well, whether it's storage or compute or apps, it's all happened, And we're just changing where it takes place. The good news is, is cloud can iterate overnight, as I mentioned. So now you start to think about that, start to think about standardized solutions that you know, have flexibility in how you deploy them. How easy is the adoption of that through partner to mid market, to SMB? Vendor marketplaces are never going to solve for that. And so part of what I message internally at Google is about this opportunity that's coming, and we're doing all this work that all we have to do is just enable it for our partner community that is out there. And we have a narrow partner community today. So even though we may look like, in some cases, we have a lot of partners, we don't do a lot with them because we haven't spent time really building that deep bench of partners. I mean, we're just getting distribution stood up globally right now. And so I see this as a huge opportunity. You, know, you look at our results and you say, "Wow, Google's doing really well." And then you think, "But they're not doing a lot with partners at that level." Think about how much profitability is available to the partner community to just bring us into those and take some of these reference accounts that we've already won as identifiers as to why somebody else should be adopting it. And, and it's you know the cloud solutions are are really affordable in
0: comparison to the old infrastructure solutions. So. I think that the SMB and Bitmarket are going to benefit way more than people realize uh, as we get better and more mature in the cloud. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that, you know, I remember having conversations three years ago when TK first took the role of running Google Cloud. And we had a conversation about it because uh, he was actually soliciting advice from some channel people. And um, it was interesting because what he said to me was the viewpoint at Google. At that time was, if we build it, they will come. <laughs> and and what he was basically saying is, he didn't agree with that. And he felt like there were a lot of people internally who felt that, and that we, they need they needed to do a better job. Now it's taken a while because I think to your point, you built it out at the top first with you know, enterprise salespeople, etc. But I'm really glad to see what's evolving now because. That's how
1: you can penetrate the space. Yeah, he's invested significantly. Our, I heard a staff the other day that our field sales, three years ago, when he took it on, was 400 people. We're up to 8,000 people in the field. So you start to think about the reach and capability that we have to support partners. It's not like we're asking them to go out alone. And he recently was quoted in CRN talking about how all of the services revenue, we want to be partner-led. We don't want to be doing that on behalf, which, you know, classically, vendors might have offered those solutions and kept Partners or distributors out of that space, and we're inviting you in to take it on because we don't have the capacity for it, and we're we're really busy with these other solutions. So yeah, that's great. It's a great opportunity. So closing
0: question: I'm going to ask each of you to comment on this. But so this is obviously an evolving partnership, right? And there's a lot of people that have looked at it, in some cases skeptically, and wondered, you know, how's this going to work? Who, who what role is everybody playing? Can they partner, etc. But Patrick, as you look at this. And as you see this evolve, um, I won't go too far out, but let's say over the next two to three years, you know, if we're back in this room, hopefully we will be, and we're kind of talking about this. How what would you like to see it?
2: What would you like to see, and uh, then it evolves too. So, so for us, it's a huge, huge growth opportunity. I mean, we are looking um, growth rates of 40 percent. I think it's going to last on the multi-billion base, so it's really a lot. Yeah. I mean one of the hyperscalers did uh, a market analysis and he said the SMB potential in cloud is 350 billion worldwide. So that's a lot for us Hmm. to grab. So our focus is going to continue to be on SMB because that's where we bring most value for the hyperscalers. The second priority for us is of course to continue to invest in our cloud marketplace because it's going to be... I mean if logistics was the key for hardware distribution the cloud marketplace would be the key for uh, the cloud and the third point is it's really about value distribution we need to continue to add a lot of competencies as eric was mentioning um so that we can provide support again to the smb uh, to to help them i mean to win the deals uh, to support the migrations to provide the support so lots of opportunities And basically, we need to become the trusted advisors for the community. Well said. Eric, go ahead. Yeah. um,
3: Well, first, I think that, say, at the moment we are in uh, the era of the move to the cloud, uh, in the two to three years' time, this will be our core business. So, basically, this is as rapid as this. Um, And so, of course, uh, we need to mature the model, we need to mature everything. The most important things would be the integration of the distribution platforms with the hyperscalers platform, making sure that that we can help, add value, facilitate, same as we did in the past with other platforms with the threshold vendors, just facilitate the journey of the partners when they want to connect to an Hyperscalars. Say, the, the partners will not have the ability to develop the connectors and the integration with Microsoft, Google, uh, AWS, Alibaba, Oracle, and IBM, and so on and so on. So they need someone in the middle them to, um, say, to basically go there, and this is where we are, um, and so we need this perfect integration, we need to continue to enable the, the, the channel. It, it, the rules at, at that time hopefully would be clear. Rules on engagement, the productivity of the margins, the way of working with the customers. But I believe that it would come naturally, but very quickly. We need to speed up a lot, but it's, it's, it's a natural
1: move. Yeah. yeah. They, they cannot deal with the SMB. We can. Yeah, yeah it's too diverse. Uh, I would add: if there was one thing for me, and I think through the distribution lens, I, I come back to that ISV management. I mean, you think about Vendor management historically, and this ISV management adds a ton of volatility because of their lack of channel maturity, their lack of understanding, the narrowness of their portfolio, and your ability to bring that to market. You know, our, our channel chief, Brian uh, was saying to, uh, to the team on a call recently, we have to go where the ISVs are. And so we may be able to get certain ISVs on our website or on our marketplace like Palo Alto and whatnot. But Veeam, for example, would say that 98% of their business is through distribution. And that's part of their strategy. So how do we meet Veeam where they're at? And that's what Braun challenges us with. And if if distribution is doing a fantastic role of managing those solutions coming through, then guess what? That's where we're going to be spending all of our time, because we need to be a part of those solutions. And I think that ties into the marketplace maturity as well. You've got the solutions management and orchestration going on through there. You've got connectivity in through your partners now having this pull through that there's not a vendor that's going to replicate that on the own market, market. It's impossible. Well, that's great. Uh, we have got a couple of minutes. Any any questions? Anybody want to
0: uh, ask any, any uh, questions? Yeah, Michael.
2: Um, so I've heard a lot from an SMB perspective. So SMB is one piece of it. Um, I've heard a lot uh, about how technology is helping SMB. But the big promise to SMB of technology is, I can compete, I can grow, and I can compete with much bigger businesses than I currently compete with. I then heard lots about workload, migration, and things like that, which I know Eric, you were saying it needs to get done. But from an SMB perspective, when do I get to the outcome? When do I get to the benefits of this cloud migration? When do I get to compete with the big guys
1: to be more agile than they are, and so on. Do I just have to wait? Or what can you do to speed that up? And I'll throw some comments at you real quick. So first up, I SMB we noticed, uh, first I'll say at Google, mid-market and up is also really important. We're not covering everything today. Right. Even though we're having some really great numbers, you see us growing dramatically, that is so high end. And we've got more deals coming out that you're like, wow. But the fact of the matter is, is there's still so much out there we haven't covered. I think when I think of SMB, I would put it in two categories. SMB tends to be where a lot of businesses come and go, so there's a lot of digital natives starting in SMB, and they start off in, a, in an advantage just because they haven't made those investments. If, but if you're an SMB who's sitting on infrastructure and trying to make decisions, I think the, the, the first, the faster you make those decisions, I think, number one, is how you get more competitive. It, having a dual environment that you're managing, with it's egress, ingress costs, it's, it's not going to benefit you. But they're certainly going to go to app modernization immediately. That's one of the first things they're going to do because it's going to have their people more mobile, more capable. And as soon as they do that, and they're having a multi, uh, a hybrid cloud environment, they're going to recognize higher costs rather than lower costs. So that's why I say, move faster, get it all out there, and get into the, and get your app modernization going. And I think that SMBs can certainly have a much better advantage. They'll be much more nimble as well because the change management aspect of their business. Like for us. We have workspace, and when we roll out workspace, it's so easy for me to roll out workspace in an SMB environment because I'm, I'm using all the end users to, to, that are used to maybe office, for example, moving over, but then they find that they can collaborate wherever they're at with, with each other much more effectively. Change management takes place. That's a lot harder with a big organization, so that nimbleness of an SMB is really where I see them having an opportunity. kind of out of time, but I want to thank our panelists. That was
0: an excellent discussion, and I really appreciate
2: your time, thank you. Well, it was a pleasure to do this, and well, as I said, after three years, really, really good to be here again. Uh, a couple of comments uh, before we all leave. Uh, well, First of all, I hope this was inspiring. Uh, at least I got a lot of out of it. Uh, really lots of things to think about, take home on the way back, and um, yeah, I think a lot of good inspiration. So I'd like to thank you for actually being here. You know absolutely great audience, a great attendance, safe travel back, hope to see you all next year, um, don't know where yet, see you soon.